What do you do when a client isn't doing the work? Hi, welcome to another episode of Business Mindset Mastery. My name is Heather Gray. I'm a mindset and performance coach for business owners, leaders, and entrepreneurs. You can always find me over at choosetohaveitall.com. And I am so grateful for today's listener question, not just because I have a listener question in my inbox and I save you all from my random ramblings, but because I'm really passionate about the topic and about the question. What do you do when as a coach or even as a business owner service provider, your client isn't doing the work. I don't think this is an issue we talk about a lot publicly. People are so worried about their image and how they're going to be perceived and how they're going to be interpreted that a lot of times this is an issue that gets pushed under the rug. I specifically know that I learned the hard way that if you don't have the conversation, if you don't address it head on, it just becomes a bigger and bigger problem. It not only affects your business and your bottom line, but what I learned is it kind of affects you personally. You feel it deeply when you're doing work and you're offering value and people aren't doing anything with it. So let's dive into the question and see what we're dealing with. Hi, Heather. I'm a life coach. I work with women who identify as being in a state of transition or who feel that they need to make a change in their lives. I have a client who invested in a six-month package with me. We're about halfway through and she's made no progress. She talks to me about how working with me has helped her feel less stressed and anxious and that she's glad that I don't think she's crazy, but she hasn't made any behavioral changes yet. At the start of our work, she said she knew that she needed to break up with her boyfriend. She also stated that she specifically picked an online coach because she thought she might like to move to a place with a lower cost of living after the breakup. Three months in, and I see no signs of her life changing. I don't know how to approach this with her. I don't want her to think I don't believe in her or that I don't support her. I don't want her to feel attacked or pressured. However, I'm also worried that when the six months end that she won't have made any progress and blame the coaching, want her money back, or perhaps leave a bad review about me. I know I need to say something, but I have no idea what. Two sessions have passed where I planned to address it and still nothing has come out. Can you offer some insight and direction. Thanks. Yes, <laughs> you might imagine that I have more than a single mouthful to say on this particular topic. So grab a cup of coffee and listen in. So here's what I think. I think, first of all, you're getting in your head. You're imagining that if you say something, she's going to be wholly offended, that she's going to be insulted. It's going to somehow just, you know, cause a, a break in your relationship with her or that she's going to become an unhappy client and make a bunch of noise about you on the internet internet or ask for money back, all of that. So some of this, before you talk to her, you got to get right with you. I would look at the, the list of things you promised. I would look at what your sales offering was, how you described your role into it, and what you specifically agreed to in six months. First of all, a six-month contract is a really big contract. And I know people like those sexy, sassy numbers at the end that come with six-month <laughs> six contracts. But like, I can't imagine a professional situation where I would tell someone, you're going to work with me for half a year. That, like, that's just too much. 
much time and becomes too unrealistic to balance the expectations. And I think that's what you're finding because she can easily be telling herself that she has three more months to break up with the boyfriend. She has three more months to pick up her life, pack and find a new place that there's plenty of time. You might be telling yourself that like you've already had half the coaching package and she hasn't made any behavioral changes. And what are you supposed to do with that? I think that like partly like, you know, food for thought going forward is that part of why you're so upset. Part of why you're anxious and stressed is that this the size of the package you offered. I, I think it's really sets you up to doubt yourself. It sets the client up to not feel as though there's specific specific measurable milestones and benchmarks to work on. It also too, just like as an FYI, it sets you up to get the work done too early. Um, that's happened to me before where I've said like, oh, do a half day intensive with me. And then two and a half, two and a half hours into the, you know, the, the session, suddenly it's like, I think we're done. So I would be really careful around not setting yourself up in this way going forward with um, the size of your offerings in the investment. I know it's good um, like income strategy to offer long intensive packages, but I think part of why you're getting stuck in your own head right now is because you're dealing with a really large stretch of time and managing expectations around that can feel really confusing for both of you. So that's my first thought. Um, just give that, you know, put tuck that away somewhere <laughs> that you can look at after you deal with the immediate problem in front of you. Now, the first thing that I would think about is reflecting this for the client. I think you're looking at this like this is going to be a confrontation. You're not doing the work. You said you were going to leave your boyfriend. You wanted to do this. And that's not the conversation you're going to have. That part of what you're asking is, you know, how do you as a coach give your clients feedback while respecting the relationship? And separate to that, how do you manage your work of, you know, sort of your work style, your way of working as a coach with your business owner self. And I feel like what I'm hearing you say in this question is those two sides, the coach side and the business ownership side, feel like you have to be two different people. What I want you to like really think about is you get to decide how you move through the world as a business owner and that gets to be consistent with how you move through the world as a coach. You don't have to be demanding of this woman unless you want to be demanding of this woman. You don't have to raise the stakes or set firm expectations with her unless you want to and that's consistent with your style. It tends to be consistent with my style as you figured out or might have figured out from the way I manage the podcast and the way I answer questions. So, but that's not necessarily going to be your style. If I give you my words, then I'm not necessarily, and I'm going to because I can't help myself. But I, before I do that, I really want you, if you were not worried about a bad review, if you were not worried about being questioned, what would you just want to say to her? How would you want to approach it to say, hey, listen, like, we're three months in, I'm observing this, I'm wondering that, I had a question about, like, what would you say? Because if this is the first time I'm bringing this up, 
I would simply be reflecting back to the client to say, hey, six months ago, I was, or three months ago, rather, I was totally excited to be starting this process with you. I really am so proud of the work we've done. I feel like we have a really good working relationship. I'm so glad that you feel validated in your experience, that no, you're not crazy. You just needed some direction. I'm so glad you feel less stressed and less anxious and that moving through your days is so much easier. I'm so proud of you and I'm so proud of the work we're doing. But one of the things that you might remember is that when we started working again, I agreed to help you end this relationship. And I agreed to support you as you decided to sort of move your life to a cheaper place to live. I want to continue to support that. I'm wondering if those are still your goals. Now that you're feeling more steady, now that you're feeling less stressed, do you still want this? Because you might have decided decided that that was just your runaway from home option because things were really bad. Now that you're feeling better, do you still want this? And if she's unsure, if your client is unsure, then I think it's okay to walk your client through the process and to educate and inform her about the way it goes sometimes. Because I can tell you, for example, So if I'm using, I'm giving you the words, right? But you can say, I can tell that sometimes women, once they talk to me, they immediately feel better. And it feels like the pressure cooker has, you know, the steam has been released from the pressure cooker. They don't need to make that immediate change because they're not feeling strangled and stifled by the life that they're in because now they can talk to me. But then as soon as you don't have me in your life, as soon as we end our coaching work together, you're still where you are. I just want to make sure sure that you genuinely like where you are now, that you're happier now. And it's not just that you're talking to me and venting out to me that you feel better, but that you genuinely look at this relationship you're in and say, yes, I re-choose this. And you look at the rent you're spending and the money you're pl- you know, putting into where you're living and say, yes, I still choose this. It's totally fine to use coaching as a way to evaluate what it is you really want. It's totally fine to decide that like you're actually good, that you just needed better stress management tools and you needed to have an outside perspective, give you some direction. I'm good with that. And we can continue as is, but we've got three months here and I want to make sure we're using the next three months with the best intention possible. So if you're looking to move or you're looking to start the conversation with your boyfriend, about no longer being together, I really think we need to look at what the steps are going to be to do that and how I can help support you. If you get some sort of resistance from her, if she says, well, yeah, of course I want to move. Like, of course I'm, I need to end this relationship. Yes, we know that this is, you know, that this is no good for me, but this or but that, or I just thought I had time or yes, you know, whatever the sort of rationale or excuse or reasons you hear, then you can sort of say, well, listen, this is where you hired me. This is what you needed my expertise for because you see your situation from your perspective. Let me tell you what I see on the outside looking in. This is what I'm observing. This is how I've come to look at the situation you're talking to me about. And then you can share what you have seen 
heard and you can reflect back for her what it is you think is going on. You can include there and say, listen, I want to make sure we're being crystal clear on expectations here. We're halfway through. We need to make sure that you're on board with what needs to happen next and that we're clear on the timeline. That's why I'm having this conversation with you. I want to set you up for success in having that conversation. And this is the best way I know how to do it. That's the therapeutic sort of approach to this. I also think it can be the boss approach because this should be the first step. The feedback I would give you is this conversation that I walked you through should have happened like um, six weeks ago. So it's really important that when you're engaging, particularly if you're choosing to engage in long-term coaching contracts with people like this, that you are doing touchstones and checkpoints along the way. So at the quarterway mark, how is it going? At the quarterway mark, where were you at in terms of goals, benchmarks, and milestones? Because that way at the halfway mark, it's typically for me where I'm setting more firmer expectations. I need you to know going forward that these are going to be the limits to what I can do at the halfway point. So as a business owner, I am starting the conversation around this is what I've observed. This is what I, where I see you have made tremendous progress. This is where I see you're still struggling. Struggling, and this is what I think we need to focus on. If I get resistance from the client at that point, then I reflect that and say, hey, listen, my vibe doesn't attract every tribe. And I know that my advice isn't for everyone. You are free to decide to do differently or move through the world differently or to control the pace. I just need you to know that we have to be clear on what, you know, going forward what needs to happen or what my expectations are. And if you do have expectations, some coaches do, some choose not to, around how you're going to be willing to continue for the next three months. And it could simply be a written contract to say, listen, let's rewrite the goals based on this conversation. Let's make sure we're both on the same page for what you're working on and what I'm supporting you with um, going forward. But that you reiterate what your expectations are to say, listen, this is what my, and you can use words that are simply therapeutic, but also direct. This is what my experience tells me. I know that you're hoping to up and move in three months. And that for some people can be a realistic goal. I've seen people pack up and move overnight when necessary, but we need to see if that's realistic for you and how you move through the world. And I get it. You may want to find an apartment so that as soon as you end it with your boyfriend, you're ready to pack up and leave. We just need to get your ducks in a row and I need to like let's get up let's get a plan let's have an agreement for how I'm going to help you get your ducks in a row but your question here also speaks to this feeling and sensation of being held hostage to expectations because word could get out or somebody could ask for their money back and the first thing your first defense is an iron tight contract. So you want to make sure that you have one, that this is what the stated goal was. These are the stated recommended steps at first look based on your, you know, consultation call that you had. And these are the benchmarks and milestones along the way with the, you know, with the caveat that like at different times in the coaching process, we'll check in to make sure that the, you know, the goals are still realistic. And this is still what we want to work on, that you want to set yourself up for 
success that so you know you have it in writing because that will give you the confidence to make the boss decision so that when she asks for a refund you can decide for yourself where you fall and on what line you fall on that or that you already before working with people in the future have a contract in place that includes and states the conditions under which you're going to offer a refund or under which a refund is considered something like that but when you don't speak your truth as a provider because you as a business owner are afraid of what's going to happen you are giving your client entirely too much control and that is the thinking that I really want to talk about next. This idea that you are in feast or famine, fight or flight mode, simply because you are at the mercy of what your clients say about you on the internet. I have seen people manage this all kinds of ways. And what I would encourage you to think about is moving through the world in such a way, whereas the coach and as the business owner, you make decisions according to the benchmark of what am I comfortable defending? So if I'm accused, what am I comfortable defending? So when people say, and I've shared this on a recent podcast, that the feedback I get most often is, and when my clients uh, or podcast listeners get most upset with me, is when I make it sound so easy. When I, that that damn word, just. <laughs> when I tell someone they should just do this, or they could just do that. Where I get the most frustration, and when I'm met with that kind of criticism, that's typically what I hear is that I oversimplify it and I don't validate for people enough how hard it is or how emotional it can be, et cetera, et cetera. So I know that when I'm having these hard conversations, when I'm reflecting back a, a, discon a, you know, a disconnect between what the client is saying they want and what they're actually doing about what they want, I know that I, one of the first lines of defense is going to be, you don't know how hard it is. You make it sound so simple just because you were able to do it doesn't mean the rest of the world can do it that way. So I move through the world in such a way that says, if this is my approach and this is what I believe that it's important to say this out loud, and I know that that's the criticism I get, I have to be comfortable defending it. So if it were said on the internet, which it has been like that, I, you know, I don't know what I'm talking about. I underestimate people all the time. I don't take into account real feelings, real people, et cetera, et cetera. I can decide on some level that I don't even need to engage in the conversation. And I often make that decision. I usually don't respond to the haters or the doubters. But when I feel compelled to defend myself, when I feel compelled to speak up, I say, I've made no secret of the fact that I'm direct, that I focus on actionable advice. I am not a coach that engages in lengthy process. I engage in what you want to do about it. So I, I, I defend it because that's my point of view. I also address my weaknesses. People have heard me say, I know I get misinterpreted for this. I know that oftentimes people make me sound like I, you know, make it, I, I make it sound like it's so damn easy all the time. But this is my thought and this is my wish and this is what I hope for. So I communicate transparently. Yes, I know this is a criticism. This is why I continue to do it. The other thing, once you do this enough, and you've gone through enough packages, you will know what to say to future clients. And that's how I've learned to manage that. 
is I've said, hey, in the past, this is around the point where clients will typically say X, Y, or Z to me, or I typically have to go A, B, C. I just wanted to check in with you now. Or before people sign on with me, I'll say the same thing and say, you know, I got to tell you that the fee- when people are unhappy with me, when they feel like they're not getting, you know, their money for their investment or they're not getting their needs met, it's often because A, B, and C. So before you decide to work with me, I would really like you to consider this and to see if this is a style or approach that regardless if you think you like it because it's not always comfortable, do you think you need it? Because that way you're not running from what people say about you and you're not worried about what the criticism is going to be because you're putting it on the table first. And once you own it and put it on the table, you don't have anything to be afraid of. And, you know, the reality is, is that people are going to be unhappy with you at some point. People like, you know, are going to say not what I signed up for. I've been really let down. Sometimes people aren't going to give you a reason or offer you an explanation and you're going to feel bad and you're going to wish you had a say in that. And that is equally fine because that's what comes with doing business. All you can do is recognize like, have I done everything possible to avoid this outcome? Have I set this coaching package up for success? Have I told the client transparently what I think and where the limits are or what the concerns might be? And have I set this up for success going forward? And do I need to do something differently? Because the other part of this is that you now have three months to turn this ship around. You can decide to address your coaching style. You can decide to adjust like the way you structure your sessions. You can adjust how much process time you spend. Um, one of the things that I learned um, entirely too late, holy smokes, I, I really really think I would have changed the face of my business if I had done this sooner, but I gave people a 10 minute limit to venting. They could vent and tell me anything they wanted to without me jumping into problem solving mode. They could tell me the things that suck, the things they can't stand, the annoying this, the frustrating that, and I wouldn't do anything but listen and reflect back, but that I wasn't going to engage as a therapist in listening to someone vent for 60 minutes. And because it was their time, their dime, I engaged engaged in that type of nonsense for far too long. And it, it was so much easier for me when I said, hey, listen, I have to let you know that I don't think venting is the same thing as therapy. That when you dump and run, you feel better for like an hour because you've left your crap in my office and it's just verbal diarrhea of the mouth. But that at the end of the day, in a couple of hours after you leave this office, you're still feeling like crap. So because of that, I'm implementing a 10-minute rule. You can vent and whine and cry and moan for 10 minutes and I will listen and support. And then we're spending the rest of the time talking about what we're doing about it. I only did that particular move and that particular script in my last year in business. And I really, really wish I had done that way sooner. Um, because I think people need to need that structure and need that guidance. The other thing I want to remind you about here, and this is something that, um, I don't think people say or, or, or acknowledge very often is that limits make people feel safe. 
So many people are terrified of limit setting, but like the kid, like think about basic child behavior. If you've worked with kids before, kids need to know that the adults have it. So if you're uh, these poor moms, I, I I promise I'm gonna go easy on you. It's a it's summertime. I know you're just finding your feet, but if you're the mom in the grocery store and you're the one telling the kid, if you do this one more time, we're going to the car. You're not getting ice cream. If you do this one more time we're going into the car we're not getting ice cream and you've decided for yourself that the grocery shopping really needs to just get done because you're not going to be able to go into the car and come to the market some other time like you can't set that limit because the kid is continuing to act out because there's no adult in charge there's no adult running the ship so the kid is acting out and amplifying their behavior until the adult sets the limit and gets in the car because then the kid knows that there's an adult in charge and they internally feel safer with limits. We are all just grown-up kids. Adults like limits. They may not necessarily be able to verbalize that right away because it can be embarrassing. It can feel like they're you know, minimized a little bit or whatever. But the big picture is that when someone says to them, I've got this, I've got you, but you need to make a move right now. Because if you don't make a move, your life isn't changing. It is easier to lean into the fear of that change. It is easier to live and lean into the vulnerability of telling someone, I don't want to be with you anymore. This life isn't making me happy. In fact, I think I want to move. But if it doesn't feel like they're being held, if it doesn't feel like they're being contained, seen, watched, observed, supported, they don't make the change because it's too scary otherwise. I know as a coach and as a business owner, you're really afraid of doing this. I would encourage you to think about being afraid not to do it because your client needs you. Your client needs to say, hey, listen, this relationship was really making you uncomfortable. This relationship was really making you so unhappy that you invested in a six-month package to get out of it. We're three months in and I don't see you leaving. Where are we at? How you doing? Do you still want this? Like that conversation, you're seeing the person. You're recognizing their pain and you're acknowledging their human condition and you're saying, I see you and I'm still here and I'm still willing to help. This doesn't have to be a fight. This doesn't have to be a conflict. This doesn't have to be like, well, I said I was going to do this and I'm showing up for you and you're not showing up for yourself. You don't have, that's not what confrontation has to look like. I verbally kick people's asses all the time and they'll usually tell you that they're feeling supported and like their hands are held the entire time because I hold the picture. I hold the goal. I know where I need to get the person to be. I don't have to be a ball buster to get them to go there. I can do it nicely. I can do it in a, in a way that implies and shows and represents support easily. That's what you have to do for yourself. And you're unable to do it right now because you're being held hostage to the business standard. If you have an iron tight contract, if you are clear around expectations, you're checking in regularly, you're reviewing regularly. And at the end of the day, somebody still lodges a complaint, still asks for a refund. You have at least set yourself up for success that this is not going to be happening consistently, that this isn't a problem you have to deal with every contract, then you can decide as a business owner how you want to respond to that. And typically the way that it's helped me um, is I've, you know, I've decided ahead of time, 
what my refund policy would be or what my plan of attack would be or what I would say in response to somebody saying, I didn't meet the benchmarks, I didn't meet the milestones. I typically offer, you know, some sort of, with just simply to myself to reduce my own anxiety. Well, if so-and-so says this, I'm going to, you know, this is going to be my plan. This is going to be my response because over X number of weeks, I've seen this. Over X number of sessions, I've experienced this. That way you feel like you're in the driver's seat and you're not like, oh my God, what happens if this client says this? You've already decided in the event that a client says this, this is going to be my plan of response. So that's how you get in the driver's seat. But you have to just remember clinically what you know about moving people through transitions and through the change process and all the different places they get stuck. And then as a business owner, how you're setting yourself up for success so that the services and products you're offering are scalable, replicable, and all of that. Um, I hope this helps. I also, too, you know, one of the things I, I would want to say here, too, is I do this kind of consultation off the cuff or as, you know, contracted work with clients regularly because I don't think the coaching industry has a lot of resources for this. So I've worked with um, groups of coaches who just want like, you know, uh, regular check-ins and supervision. I've worked, I've done individual case consultations on how to move through the world. So keep these questions coming. I really, I think that they're important um, in the industry, how to respond to clients who are not, you know, doing their end of the bargain is a really good business conversation. It's a good coaching conversation. If you're in a weird situation, which is completely understandable in this industry, where where confidentiality feels like it's key and you can't have your question aired, this is a really good reason to just book a call with me. Um, I'll include a link at the end of the show notes for how to do that. And I'd happily um, walk you through a case consultation, offer my two cents. Um, people are not easy um, to figure out. And um, we all we can all use some new tools in the toolbox from time to time. I'd gladly, gladly help any coaches that want my two cents on their client problems too. That would uh, I'd enjoy doing that. So thank Thank you so much for the vulnerability and reaching out. I've been running this um, show now, I think, since last August. So, oh my goodness, we're almost at a year, guys. Um, and this is the first time that a coach has ever showed vulnerability and asking a question like that. I know it's hard to put yourself out there. Um, I know, too, it can be harder for coaches to put themselves out there because I've made my opinions known on some of the people who call themselves coaching uh, coaches. So, you know, I hope you feel heard, seen, and respected in my answer. I certainly you know, respect the work you're doing. I hope that the feedback I um, offered helps you and sets you up for success going forward. But most importantly, I see you. I see how hard you're working. I respect your vulnerability and asking for help. And I'm so grateful that you did. The best podcasts always come from the best questions. And this was a stellar one. So thank you for that. If anybody else has um, a question about their life or their business, you want my two cents on it, always find me over at heather at choose to have it all.com. I look forward to talking to you next time. Bye for now.